Do you love to love? Do you feel yourself through life, often ruled by strong emotions, admiring the blissfully ignorant or the headstrong who can make executive decisions in a seemingly unattached way? Yeah, this podcast is for you. I'm Carmen Bertlin and I'm a neurosemantics coach, yoga, meditation teacher, and I love to love. Ever since Jack painted Rose like one of his French girls on the Titanic, I've been a romantic. This is my big leap from serial monogamous to feeling fulfilled as a single person. And so can you. Consider this a guide to becoming your single best self so that when you meet someone, they're not a life raft. They're an added bonus. Welcome to the single best. I'm excited to be in your ear. Do you recognize being stuck in your comfort zone? You found comfort in the discomfort, maybe in a relationship or in a job, your health or your day-to-day -day routine. When we get stuck, we can lose our spark. And that spark is what lights us up. It adds glimmer behind our eyes and we get a surge of energy to keep doing things, even with lack of sleep and proper breaks. When we're passionate about something, we even forget to eat sometimes as we're so in the moment with what we're doing. And I'm not advocating for missing meals, being healthy, but it's quite joyful to watch and joyful to be in such a state of passion. It can be likened to being in love. Some reasons we may not want to move from our comfort zones are that we don't want added responsibilities. We keep ourselves small especially when we've lost our spark to the point where we don't have extra energy. We can't be arsed. We're running on empty most of the time. And the thought of adding tasks and adding hours or being seen seems like such a mammoth shift. We'd rather stay put, unmotivated and reduced. A bit like The Walking Dead. Timothy Ferris writes in his best-selling book, The 4-Hour Workweek, that most people will choose unhappiness over uncertainty. Now, this hit a little hard when I read it because it's true and I recognize it. There's definitely times when I've chosen to remain unhappy because I haven't known what's waiting on the other side of that door I'm so scared of opening. Fear can be really paralyzing. I had a coaching session with someone yesterday and they asked, what is the cost of inaction? Which is another brilliant question. Inaction can be very costly. It can cost us our lives or at least the quality of them. Many a false step was made standing still, as the saying goes. It can be beneficial to write down the very thing that we're most scared of, the absolute worst outcome. Because when we look at it on written, written down on paper, it might be all that bad. And oftentimes, since we've thought our way into it, we can also think our way out of it. Drag ourselves out of the imaginary wreckage, so to speak. It was Mark Twain who said, I'm an old man and I've known a great many troubles, but most of them never happened. Now, how many times have we worried and been anxious about an outcome only to discover that the stress was completely unnecessary? Both fortunately and unfortunately, the mind doesn't know the difference between reality and fiction. So what we tell ourselves and what we envision becomes our reality. The stress becomes physical. We're but figments of our own imagination. So what we have imagined, we can also unimagine. 
rewire, reprogram, reset anytime. You're never too old to start new habits. My dad is 91. He's a pretty easygoing guy. And if there's a take-home message that I picked up from him in the last few years, it was that don't worry too much. It always works out. Thanks, Dad. Now, Dad found out he was pre-diabetic a few years ago. Now, this is a guy who used to put sugar on his pancake and then follow up with jam on top and then sugar again on top of the jam, like a proper sweet tooth. He changed his diet. He stopped eating added sugars and even some carbs only a few years ago. And his blood sugar levels have balanced out and he's no longer in the risk zone. And I couldn't have been prouder of my dad when he made this change. In the realm of manifestation and God, that's a hard word to say. Visualization. It is said that we shape our reality based on 80% of what we think and only 20% what we do. So 80% mind and 20% action. That is pretty extraordinary. Considering how much we do on a daily basis and also how little time we actually spend on being mindful. I mean, really mindful. How many moments do you spend in a nine to five shift at work being mindful, just completely zoning out and being receptive to what may come? That's not a lot, is it? It's most definitely important to take steps towards changing our reality, but it's crucial that our self-talk is aligning with that action. So what comes first? Now, from my own experience, I've noticed that when I create stillness through meditation, taking a bath, spending time in nature, or going for a drive, I get that clarity. Answers start to come and this in turn will promote taking action. So where am I going with this? Well, if your year started anything like mine, things feeling a little stagnant and muddled, overwhelming and in disarray, sorely in need of an early spring clean, what could be the next steps? Now, I knew I wanted to change something, but I knew that forcing things wasn't going to work, so I had to stop. I had to stop and I had to listen. I had to be open, receptive, and for someone with that doing drive, this may sound a little bit Pollyanna, as the hypnotherapist Marisa Peer likes to say, but honestly, when you spend time in stillness, it's amazing how clear things can get. And I mean stillness, not scrolling on our phones or watching telly, but mindful stillness, like a walk in the woods or laying down, staring at the ceiling for a bit. I know the thought of this can be pretty terrifying for people who identify with doing. I know because I'm one of those people. But I promise you, action that springs from being intrinsically moved to do something is tenfold the action that comes from sheer panic and forcing things. And yeah, it may take some time to get the answers and the drive to make a move, but it will be well worth it. It will just feel right. It will come naturally. So the first step for me was changing my mindset. My mindset had become worrisome and I didn't like that. So I signed up for an abundance mindset program online, 80% mind, right? And once the oppressive thoughts had lifted, which took a few days of listening to guided meditations like mindset reprogramming morning and night, I felt really compelled to schedule a discovery call with a business coach. Now, I've been thinking about learning some new skills for a while and I've dipped my toes in at the end of last year, but the drive wasn't really there. Not until I essentially hit a bit of a wall in January 
I felt so demotivated that I needed to make the change. I was either to accept it, change it, or become a fucking Karen and go on and on about how shit it was and I sure as hell wasn't going to do that. So here we are. The call went well. I signed up for a three-month coaching program to learn some new skills that will help me along my career path. And I'm super excited. And I've suddenly gone from having really little energy to waking up before my alarm clock this morning. And this is what being lit up feels like. And it's so, so vital. Whether we're in a relationship or we're single, we really ought to live our lives with as much gusto as possible, wholeheartedly, as author Brene Brown calls it. Life is too short to be small, says Benjamin Disraeli. That saying goes for every five foot seven bloke who sees I'm 5'11 and that doesn't stop them from sending me a like on the app. Too short to be small. I'm also surprisingly grateful that January has felt like 72 days long as how I felt at the start of the month certainly isn't how I feel now. So there's been that time to reflect and get things done. And I have a daily gratitude practice to thank for this as well, which is another tool in the best life kit, as cheesy as that sounds. It's all well and good to have future goals and aim to manifest grand visions, but if we fail to be grateful for what we already have, we're operating from a lack mentality. Abundance is about having, so if we can be grateful for what we already have, however small and simple that is, we're already winning. It creates such a beautiful frequency around us. And when we meet someone who is really grateful, it's contagious. We just can't help but be drawn to them and want to be in their company. I've spoken about journaling in a previous episode. And when we write down things we're grateful for on a daily basis, it's like listening to the Bee Gees. You just can't be miserable. The key is to write any future goals as if they're already at hand as well. So for example, I'm so grateful for my amazing seaside home. If your goal is to have a home by the sea. Remember, the mind doesn't know the difference between reality and fiction. So let's keep feeding it better fiction, essentially. It's said that a man is the sum of his thoughts and that our lives is a sequence of what we tolerate. So if I say I want to have true love, but I engage in casual, non-committed relationship with someone who doesn't want the same outcome, what I choose to tolerate doesn't align with what I really desire. So it's bound to stop bothering me if I choose to ignore it. And if I want to change it, it's solely up to me. I must make different choices so or change my attitude towards it at least. When we look at things this way, it moves us from victimhood to empowerment. That we must take ownership if we want to redirect our lives. And knowing this should be exciting because it opens up a whole world of new possibilities. But it's sometimes so damn comfortable in a state of victimhood. It's familiar, it's safe and it's cushy. And at least there's someone or something else but ourselves to blame. But what this does is gives away our power. Life suddenly happens to us, not for us. You know when people say, why does this always happen to me? Now, this is someone who's given away their power to external circumstance. And they don't believe that change is in their own hands. 
And that's really quite sad. Of course, there are circumstantial matters that play a part, like natural disasters, family dysfunction, disability, domestic violence, financial ruin, you name it. And without sitting on a high horse of privilege here, I'm going to throw you another quote. This is an episode full of quotes. It's not about what happens, but it's our response to it that matters. So, like Oprah said, it's not what daddy did or mama didn't do, but it's what you do from now on that matters. In the town that I live, there's a man who sits on a street corner day after day, and when I walk by, he lights up and he says, How are you, darling? Every single time. My cousin came over for New Year's Eve and she was like, Oh, can I keep him and take him home? <laughs> she thought he was so cute. His energy is warm, it's open and receptive, and even if he's seemingly homeless and jobless, I see that people interact with him all the time and his daily meals are provided for by the locals who find it in their hearts to bring him an extra coffee or sandwich when they're on their lunch break. And I don't know this man beyond the greetings that we that we say, and but in my eyes, he's, he's a winner. He shows up every day to sit on that corner, sometimes in the freezing cold, and he smiles and he interacts with passers-by and his basic needs for food and drink are met. I'm a little ashamed to admit that I don't know his story. I haven't taken the time to ask him, so I don't know what choices he made along the way, but people like him are inspiring to me. People who smile through the hardship. And I can't say for sure that I would be, be sat there smiling if that was me. Of course, I like to think so, but I fucking hate the cold. My nose starts running like a tap. I get chill blains on my fingers. I'm a sociable introvert, and sometimes I can st- can't stand to talk to people and just want to retreat to my own space and I identify really strongly with what I do for a living so being stripped of a title and exposed to the world just as a human is likely to make me feel inferior. I have underlying perfectionism so you'll never see me at the corner shop without at least penciling in my eyebrows or adding a bit of concealer under my eyes. And my pride and ego would bring on a sense of shame asking people for money. I get hangry if I don't eat every four hours. And I love my bed so much. And I need at least seven hours of sleep to be highly functioning. And my need for certainty would have me highly anxious if I didn't know where my next meal would come from or where I was going to bathe or sleep at night. Yeah, I'd be useless on the streets. So what is there to do in a seemingly hopeless situation when we're so dysregulated or live our lives are in shambles when we don't know where to go from here? There's a few things. Hope. So hope is the North Star that keeps people going when lives are in smithereens. Hope that things are going to be okay, no no matter how dire they are. And it's been proven that people in those blue zones, I don't know if you saw this documentary on Netflix about the blue zones where people live the longest, it's people with faith and hope that's up there with people who live the longest. Social connections also, but that's another another matter. Vision. Humans are wired to believe what we see, so if we can see how things can get better, even in our mind's eye, remember, the mind doesn't know the difference between fact and fiction. So this is really important. And trust. Hope is good, but can you hear the difference between I hope I get this job and 
I trust that I will get this job. When we trust the process, there's a certainty that brings a sense of peace. It's a form of surrender without just leaving it to chance and hoping for the best. It's more empowering to trust than to hope. I hope he doesn't hurt me. No, I trust that he doesn't. Which one sounds more assertive? In my day job, I liaise with clients over the phone. And if someone calls me up and says, I trust that you can help me, my posture straight away straightens up and I'm all ears. This person's expecting my assistance. Of course, I'm going to help you. You're expecting it. It's almost like it's tricking the mind to think that this person calling has got some form of authority. They trust me, so I best not let them down. The human psyche never ceases to fascinate me in this sense. I'm going to drive into London this morning. My voice is a little bit croaky because I actually, I just woke up about an hour ago and I haven't spoken to anyone yet. I haven't even spoken uh, and I haven't even had a drink of water. So <clears throat> forgive me. I've got a birthday brunch in Mayfair to um, attend and lucky for me it's Sunday so you can actually street park without too many restrictions there in the city. I'm deliberately driving as well to keep myself on the straight and narrow and not drink too much before the start of the week because of my course. I'm still practicing that self-trust I spoke about in a previous episode. It's really healthy to set goals for ourselves and give ourselves a pat on the back when we tick them off celebrate the little wins and learn to be accountable. In true fashion, I'm last minute to coming it and I spent the last hour scripting this episode. The easy way would have been to say, ah, oh, fuck it, I'll record it tomorrow. But tomorrow I'm starting my coaching course. So tomorrow I would have been cursing Carmen from the past. who didn't get up an hour earlier to finish this project. So really get to know yourself so that you can anticipate your own behavior. Work with all parts of yourself. Work as a team. Because you can't always predict when that five-year-old version of you is going to get in the driver's seat and start throwing tantrums. So until next time, guys, thank you so much for listening in. And please remember to leave a five-star rating if you haven't already. I'm so appreciated of it. And... This will bump us up in the search feed on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. That's where you're listening. Until next time, lots of self-love.